Hey folks, Pat Nemers here from Sayreville Church, joined with the uh, uh, evangelism pastor at uh, New City Church, our newest church uh, uh, plant right. in the Engage Network. That's and right. uh, Chuck, uh, you were how many years here at Sayreville Church before you moved to the new church plant? Uh, 19 years here, and okay. not on staff that long, but 19 years here at Sayreville. I've asked Chuck to join us because we're, we've been friends for so many years, and uh, love his love for the Bible, love for evangelism. Uh, both of us have that, that love. And in fact, I didn't bring it with me, but Chuck, you just finished a book recently. I, What's it called? It's called Learning to Be a Fisher of Men. And um, um, it's, it's a book written a little bit about my life and the lessons that I learned and I uh, want to pass on to others. Yeah. So. Listen, it was my privilege to write the forward in this book. This is a great book. Uh, this isn't the subject of this podcast. This is the commercial, okay? And uh, But it's a great commercial. Uh, you know, of uh, the making of many books, Solomon said, there is no end. And there's been a lot of books on evangelism and probably by some very capable and articulate writers. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but I know I don't know of anybody who is uh, more uh, seasoned and uh, and successful as God has made you successful in the area of evangelism than uh, than Chuck uh, DeClean. And uh, I've sat at your feet, and I myself am an, ev am an evangelist. Right. And so uh, this is, book is written by your own experience. Uh, right. It's laid out it's, it's, kind of a it's pattern been, for your life. It, one truth is so true. It's true about Jesus's life and hopefully about ours. I would have many people talk to me about evangelism and, and say, hey, this is, you need to tell people about Christ and I would listen, but the people who really taught me were the ones that modeled it for me. And I watched them win people to Christ. Those are the people that had an impact on my life. And I write hoping that I could be a, at least a little bit of a model for other people that, that they would be encouraged to win other people to the Lord as well. So yeah. it's it's written to be an encouragement to those who want to be at the task. And you would say that uh, this whole COVID year we've lived in has been a blessing to you because it kind of forced you to put these thoughts <laughs> yeah. on the paper and into a book. Exactly it? right. With your encouragement, with my wife's, I said, oh man, I've got time. What do I do now? And it's hard for a person that's active. What do I do? How do I make it fulfilling? And yet this book has been very fulfilling and my wife has helped me so much. It's taken a lot of work. Writing is far more work than I thought it was. But yeah, it really has occupied a lot of my time this mm -hmm. year. So um, I pray that the Lord can use it. Yeah, and if you can get your hands on a copy of Learning to Be a Fisher of Men by Chuck DeClean, you would do, do you do well to do so. You could probably contact us here at Sayreville Church or contact New City Church yeah. and uh, do the same. Uh, and really, this this is not a hard this commercial is not a hard segue for me, uh, because the truth of the matter is, uh, not only do I love to tell people about Jesus, but uh, somebody came to me, uh, uh, somebody witnessed fervently to me, was actually praying that God would open up an opportunity and bring somebody uh, to work with him at John Deere who would be interested in the gospel, and that somebody, uh, his name was Nick. Uh, not he didn't just share the gospel with me, but he was really f just focused like a laser beam on future events. Yeah, and what yeah. the Bible said about the future. And uh, I myself had read a book uh, that was very popular in the '70s and '80s on evangelism. Somebody had given it to me, actually a family member, and that got my mind thinking. So 
the subject of eschatology, which we started talking about last week, which is the study of future things, was on the front end of my life before I became a Christian. Yeah. In, in fact, Chuck, I could almost talk eschatology intelligently, biblically, before I became a Christian. <laughs> That's interesting. You know, last night I was with a family, and it's very apparent that the mom and dad have both placed their trust in Christ. But the two boys who are also studying with us haven't been totally convinced. And so we actually talked about the rapture or the gathering to Christ. And I said, you know, what would happen if it happened now? And I wasn't trying to be forceful, but yeah. I said, your mom and dad would be gone. And where would you all be? And it caused them to think. I'm glad it causes them to think. I, I want them to think. I want the Holy Spirit to work. But this is very practical stuff yeah, as yeah. you study. It can be used right now in Bible studies. So when we talk about the return of Jesus, I mean, there's, there's a lot of passages in the New Testament that yeah. make allusions to it. Uh, the, one of the most famous ones is when just on the cusp of Jesus going to the cross, uh, at the Last Supper, remember he says, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe right. in God, believe believe in me too. Right. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. I go there to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again right. to receive you to myself. Yep. That where I am there, you may be as well. And then uh, he goes into that discourse that he's the way, the truth, and the life. Right. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, we talked about this last week, is the rapture event itself. The Lord yep. himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up caught up together with them to, uh, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. We'll always be with the Lord. Uh, and so what happens, Chuck, is uh, now at this point, we thought that we have the promise, we have yeah. the event itself, uh, and it's going to be a spectacular event. I'm it excited is. about it. I, I know you too. are too. I am too. Uh, but that gives way to all of these uh, to people who want to know when it's going to happen. I have to tell you something happened because I, I know you listened to my message I yeah. preached a week or so ago. Uh, I purposely on the front end of my message said, now look, I'm not going to be talking about the timing that is in the chronology, pre-trib, middle-trib, post-trib of, of when Jesus is going to return because that's not the focus of 1 Thessalonians 4, the focus of the event itself. The event itself. And that troubled some people. They, they wondered why I, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. So uh, the timing is a big deal to a lot of people. And I, I guess it should be a big deal, but I'm intrigued that Godly people who love God, love the Bible, love the idea that Jesus is coming back again, have embraced that promise. Yep. Uh, but we differ. Some of us differ as about as to when He's going to return. Right. Uh, we there was a time in your life and in mine that we didn't, we weren't allowed to differ on these things, right. were we? No. You were saved in what year? Uh, 1970. 1970. I was saved in 1982, so a dozen years later. Yeah. And but my generation was much like yours. Tell me about your experience because it's very interesting to me. Well, as as I dived into this and totally sold on the pre-trib rapture, and even I've taught that all of my life, pretty much. Now, was, what is the pre-trib rapture? That again? means that the rapture is going to take place before any of the tribulation takes place okay. that the Book of Revelation talks about. 
And um, as I was doing that, and where I went to school, they taught that as well. I read a passage. I read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, but then I read chapter 5. And as I went through chapter 5, I became uncertain about the people in this letter it talks about. Let me just, just read a verse. And the way I looked at it, it says this, you know, it says that when they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all the children of light and the light of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. Now, I know there's a number of ways to look at that. Honestly, mm -hmm. there is, and I need to think about it. But when I read that, I said, almost sounds like maybe we're still here. So with my concern, I, where I was going to school, I, it was in my junior year. They said we had to sign a doctrinal statement. This is 1973, 4 or something yeah, like that? Yeah, someplace, because yeah. I was in the Air Force. Yep. And um, I said, you know, I still believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, but I'm not 100% certain of the timing. And um, I said... Would, could I still graduate? And they said, I'm sorry, you couldn't graduate from our school unless you're 100% sure of the timing. And that troubled me. I love the school. I love going, I have great memories of that school, but then, okay, I, if my conscience bothers me, then I had to look for other schools. So I called other schools. Before you, before you tell us what happened when you called those other schools, we have an expression that we've used for many years. We talk about things that are a test of faith. Yeah. So if I said to you, uh, Chuck, uh, I'm really struggling that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. Would you consider that a legitimate test of faith? Yes, I would. That is a major doctrinal error that Jesus taught. I am the way that there is no other way. So okay, so there's is. no other way. Or well, if I said to you, I think parts of the Bible might not be inspired by God. Now that too is a major thing because all scripture is given by the inspiration of, 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 the, of God and it's written as men were moved by God. This is the word of God. Okay, so those, you would say, are legitimate tests of faith. They are. They are. And yet, in 1974, when you were having an honest struggle, not with the veracity of the Scripture, no. not with the authority of Scripture, no. nor with the return of Jesus. No. You no. weren't questioning Jesus' return. No. No. You weren't questioning that, he was going, that we will be caught up to him. Yeah. Uh, your question was, exactly when? Yeah, that's exactly right. And you're saying that the school you went to at the time made it a test of faith. They did. And, and I called a number of other schools asking, could I graduate? And most of them said, no, you can't. Mm. Till I found two other schools that were still pre-trib, but they said, you know, even if you don't totally agree, yeah, you could graduate. So, okay. I'm going to those schools. Of course, those schools really emphasized soul winning, so I wasn't totally disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> they put you right in your wheelhouse, yeah, didn't they? Yeah, they did to a certain degree. But it was a hurtful time yeah. for me to be cut off like that. And uh, But they did make it really a mm. test of faith. They made it a test of faith. So when you shared that with me, I was intrigued because I became a Christian, as I said, 12 years later. And it wasn't a lot different in the early 1980s. And in fact, as I've shared on this podcast and others, that it was eschatology. And specifically, the, the anytime imminent return of Jesus, as I understood the, the Bible to teach it, that was a real 
inspiration, not just inspiration, but it was, it was, uh, it was, I, I dare say the very thing that drove me to Christ. Yeah. The, the, the thought of all of this, that I could be left behind, no joke, no pun intended <laughs> yeah. with the book, but, uh, uh, and contemplating these things, um, I was, uh, as I said earlier, I could, I could have an intelligent conversation as an unbeliever on this yeah. until it actually finally impacted me. But it really, for me personally, it got to a place where I realized it wasn't just the fact that Jesus could come back anytime. It was the fact that I was a lost sinner. I was on my way to hell. Christ loved me enough to die for me. He was worthy of my worship. He was worthy of my, of my, uh, my praise and my trusting. And of yeah. course, I, in September of 1982, I did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but even the school I went to uh, would have made it a, a test of faith. Yeah. It was a big, big deal. Uh, not sure if they would today or not, uh, but I know that uh, these things trouble some people. It would, it would probably, you know, I pastor the Sailorville Church, pretty good-sized yeah. church. Yeah. There's probably some people who would say, boy, Pastor Pat, you, you don't know with 100% certainty it's going to happen before the tribulation. And I would say that I'm, I'm fairly convinced it's going to happen before the tribulation. Uh, and but, in a sense, I'm hoping that to be true too. I'm, not <laughs> to, I'm probably not the same percentage convinced that you would be. It probably would be a little lower. But I taught the pre-tribulation rapture all through when I was a professor. I taught it, and I'm not ashamed of teaching that at all. And I hope that's the way it comes. But as I look at Scripture, there are things that concern me as far as lining up. So yeah. I'm just trying to be honest with my own heart, before God, with people, as, as I go through the New Testament. I'm going to guess that many of our, 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 our listeners and our, those who are watching by way of uh, YouTube, uh, you've seen those big charts, the Clarence Larkin charts. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. uh, and uh, we, had a, we had a professor in the college I went to who was renowned for his own charts. And they were, they were, uh, they were actually very uh, interesting, uh, intriguing. And but you you'd have every fine detail figured out. And yeah. when I'm reading my Bible, I'm thinking, how do they have all these details yeah. all figured yeah. out? I mean, I I I I was mesmerized by the charts, but I I couldn't always line them. I couldn't right. always find the theology here. Right, right. And uh, and uh, now the, again, the promise of the return. I, let me just ask you this, Chuck. It if it's if it's true that good godly. Christ-loving, Bible-loving men and women of God differ on the timing of Jesus' return. Why isn't it? Why do you? Why do you suppose it's not more clear? To, why isn't it more black and white here? I, you know, I, I, there's just numbers of things that I, you know, the first coming. Think of the first coming, and how many people really understood the exact the, timing. The timing and the Messiah was going to die on the cross, and he was going to suffer for the sins and rise from the dead, the disciples didn't even capture that. And, and it, that, those are teachings, but they're not as... We wouldn't have, if we would have sat down with the fishermen, I mean, they doubted Jesus all the way up to the end. What do you mean you're going to... You know, so they didn't have everything together at that point. And I wonder if in our maybe pride to a certain... We're far more advanced than they are. We can... We have all the details, but there's so many details here that I guess I'm not of the place where I think we have all of the details so certain. And maybe, uh, to me, 
If God wanted it to be so certain, it would have even been clearer than, than what I see here. Can I tell you something that just came to my mind just now? Okay. I've never thought of this before. Okay. God is my witness, okay? <laughs> okay? I'm preaching this we're on our short series for Christmas. We're preaching a series called uh, Great Expectations. Yeah. And this Sunday, I'm preaching in Luke chapter 2 on Simeon. Yeah. Now, Simeon was told that Jesus was coming. He was told it would happen before he died. But he wasn't told exactly when it would happen. No, he wasn't. Isn't that no, interesting? Yeah. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous, devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Yeah. Now yeah. we assume uh, that he's old in this passage. We're not told how old he yeah. is. Right. Uh, does he got one foot in the grave and the other on a banana peel at this point? I mean, yeah. we'd like to think that that might be the case, but we're not told. There's a certain parallel here. He he has a promise that he's leaning on, yeah. but he's not told exactly when Jesus is going to come back. Well, he even another one. Remember John the Baptist, when Jesus didn't immediately set up the kingdom the way John thought he should set it up, John said, our are you the one that's coming, or do we wait for another? This is John the Baptist. And I think, oh, my word. I mean, <laughs> he struggled in this to try and get everything together, and even he, even the, he said, you know, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and yet he still struggled with putting it all together. But Chuck, Chuck, that was 2,000 years ago. We, we are much more advanced now. Oh, yeah. We're so much wiser. <laughs> we know things. We've got it all figured out. So. Yeah. And uh, so uh, now all facetiousness aside, um, part of our desire in just setting this up is to help you to see that this might not be as crystal clear as you think. Uh, there are reasons uh, to believe in a pre-tribulational rapture. There are. There um, are. Uh, one of them would be uh, the very fact that, uh, uh, that well, there's, there's a couple. There's, there are several reasons, in fact, uh, in, to believe in a pre-tribulational rapture. One of them is actually uh, found in a promise in Revelation chapter 3, and I want to just share it with you. With, mm -hmm. uh, it, Revelation chapter 3 is... Um, the first three chapters of the book of Revelation have a very strong church focus, uh, particularly chapter 2 and 3, yeah. where Jesus himself is writing through the messenger uh, to the seven churches of Revelation. Uh, interestingly, uh, after this setting and very shortly after this passage, you don't find any reference to the church, not in, not specifically at least. The church is mentioned over and over and over and over and over and over and over in the first three chapters. But in chapter 4 and 5, where the scene is in heaven, just prior to the Great Tribulation that yep. comes upon the earth, and in chapter 6 through 19, which is the guts of the Tribulation and the actual return of Jesus to the earth, there's no reference to the church. Now, that's an argument from silence, but it, it is. is an argument. And it is something I have to consider as well. And I think about that. Boy, that seems pretty convincing. Yeah. I, I mean, I hope that trumps, but there's still other things that I wonder as, yeah. as you yeah. go through that. And uh, But you're right. That's a great thought. Well, let me give you the verse. Now let's go to, sure. you have the sure. argument from silence. That's But, the, the, but then this is a, a special verse, a promise that Jesus gives to the church of Philadelphia. This was the evangelistic. This was the Chuck the Clean Church. Yeah. This is the church of the open door. 
they might have called themselves there. And it was the church that Jesus said, I got a door that I'm going to open. Nobody can shut it. I got a door. If I shut it, nobody can open yeah. it. Yeah. And, and they have, they're in a very difficult place. They're dealing with Satan himself. Uh, uh, and so he's, they're wrestling with this. And he says in verse 10, he gives them a promise. And I want you to see this promise. And I'm mm -hmm. going to build an argument for why this promise wasn't just for this particular church. Sure. He says in verse 10, because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I'm coming soon. So this is Jesus's promise to the church at Philadelphia. I would argue that it's a broader promise than just, just the church yeah. of Philadelphia because he talks about this hour of trial, which is going to come upon the entire earth. Uh, the other thing is, he says, the reward, he says, is I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming upon the whole, the whole earth. Now, many of our listeners are great admirers of John Piper. Yeah. I, my, my, yeah. I, myself included, yourself included. Yeah. Yeah. Great man of God, great preacher of God. Uh, and uh, he takes a position that uh, the rapture will occur at the end of the tribulation. He mm -hmm. believes the church will actually go through the tribulation. Mm -hmm. And I would disagree with him on that. Sure. Not, not, uh, uh, not vehemently, uh, because I don't want to be overly dogmatic where the Bible doesn't allow me to be dogmatic. Yeah. But, but he was arguing this passage that when it, when it says, I will keep you from the hour, that's that Greek word ek, that means mm -hmm. out of, he kind of ignored it. He didn't even reference yeah. the Greek word. He, 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 he concluded from this passage that this proved that the church might actually go through it. You know, with that, and that, again, is a good argument. The hour of testing, um, you know, does that mean, is that equated to the whole seven years? Is that part of the tribulation? The, the reason I ask, there's a lot of things yeah. to think through. You find Jesus coming in the book of Revelation in chapter 14, and there he is in the clouds above the earth in Revelation 14, and he's about to bring the sickle of judgment upon. And I wonder, why is that there? Is there a separation from part of the testing and others? That, I again, I can't say anything dogmatic. May mean nothing, but I'm aware that it's there. Yeah. And, and there's other things um, like we were talking a little bit about in 2 Thessalonians where it talks about that the gathering together to Jesus would not take place until, in 2 Thessalonians, until the apostasy comes and the man of sin is revealed. And, and I'm not sure how to put all of that down exactly again we like to be people of great detail okay yeah. this has to be seven years so this starts right here right here now there's three and a half and i'm not sure the bible is that there could be tribulation coming before that seven years yeah. there's authors that talk about ezekiel 38 39 and say this happens even before some of the you know i there's a lot of things to consider. Yeah, and that's actually one of those passages where those who believe in a mid-tribulational rapture, they might go to this for some reason. Yeah. Uh, the uh, One of the other arguments for a pre-tribulational rapture is in 1 Thessalonians 4. Yeah. It clearly tells us that the gathering is a gathering in the air. 
Uh, in Revelation chapter 19, when Jesus comes back, he's coming back with the saints. It's, it says he's going to come back to the earth. And those who believe, as I have in a pre-tribulational rapture, see the second coming of Jesus as a two-part event. Right. Uh, they see it as the, the rapture. That's where he comes in the cloud, the church the dead in Christ are raised, the, the living ones are caught up, we meet the Lord in the air, okay? We meet there in the air. Uh, and then the second coming at the end of the seven-year tribulation is the coming to the earth where he sets up his literal kingdom. Uh, now, there are two ways of looking at this and uh, when it, to meet the Lord. The word meet, I mentioned this in my message Sunday, It's a it means to meet a dignitary. Mm -hmm. uh, so... If we just look at the passage, it almost looks on on just the reading where, you know, plain sense making good sense, seek no other sense, as they say. Yeah. Seems like they meet the Lord. And then if we kind of put that together with John 14, we go up into this uh, well, these dwelling here, places. Here's, here's some of my questions on that. Okay. And, um, as, and I would just say compare 1 Thessalonians 4 mm -hmm. right here and Matthew chapter 24 and Revelation 19. Now, the one thing here in Revelation, I mean, in 1 Thessalonians 4, we meet the Lord in the air. It doesn't necessarily say we go back. No, it doesn't. And and it's interesting because when I, and I've never done this before until recent because I taught the pre-trib, but when you look at the comparison of 1 Thessalonians and Matthew 24, but I'm not saying Matthew 24 happens at the very end but the things they have in, in common are in both passages, Matthew 24, 30, and 31, and 1 Thessalonians 4. You have the Lord there, and you have the Son of Man appears. You have the shout of an archangel, and you also have angels in Matthew 24. You have a trumpet sound that takes place in both. You have a caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And the one thing I still don't know, and I still it says that the angels gather the elect. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? What does it mean? When does that take place? Does that take place before the battle takes place? It doesn't mention the battle in Matthew 24. So I'm trying to understand what that means. There seems to be a lot of common ground here to mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And so if I was a, just a reader of scripture in a pat, I don't read a lot of books on this. I'm not saying this author says this. I'm just trying to read it myself and sure. try to understand so there's questions I have that I still have to sort out. I am still ready to be convinced. And I'll be listening to all of your messages. <laughs> and I could easily be convinced yeah. with that. But I do have questions as I go through. So, so Chuck, um, and if, if, if you're following carefully, we've been going back and forth from, uh, he just took us, he just alluded and actually read little, or alluded to several excerpts in Matthew chapter 24. And, uh, and then first and second Thessalonians as well. And uh, let me just kind of come back to that meeting and then I I'll make a comment about what you said about Matthew chapter 24. So if you, uh, those who believe in a uh, post-tribulational rapture. Which that, I'm not saying I come down on I know that, that at all. Uh, this is where uh, Dr. Piper would be and, and a few others. Yeah, and I'm uh, not, yeah. But if... Uh, but they have an argument here. They would say because that word meet is a dig is like to meet a dignitary. They like to use the argument that in it was very common in those uh, early in those Bible yeah. times that if a king was coming with his entourage, he's coming into town, uh, that uh, you would uh, you would come out to greet the king. 
you much right. like they did Jesus and they lay, remember with the palm branches and stuff but they they come out to meet the king and then they would and then they would escort the king into town uh, and so they would some would use the argument that would say that uh, the, the rapture, the great catching up and the second coming to the earth are one and the same. In other words, we would go up into the air, meet the Lord, and because it's a meeting of the king of kings, we would come back down to earth at the same time where he would set up his kingdom. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the argument for the, for the belief that the, tribu or the, uh, the rapture occurs at the very end. Uh, I'm not saying I, I agree with that. Right, I'm just saying right. that's part of their... Uh, yeah, uh, it it's important that we understand other people's arguments and their legitimate arguments. Uh, the one thing... Uh, Chuck, that I uh, I uh, I love Matthew chapter twenty four. I think it's very applicable, uh, and and this is where I struggle a little bit with it. Sure, Matthew, as you well know, I mean you this you were a professor and uh, in, in the college and seminary and taught. I taught Matthew. You taught Matthew. You yeah, are the you. So I. I, I, I come at I come at this with fear and trepidation, there, uh, uh, no. Chuck. But as you all know, just as Matthew was written primarily to the Jews, it's proving exactly. that Jesus was the Messiah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, so if it's possible that if this has a Jewish flavor to it, and it, and it, it stands to reason that the rest of the book does, why wouldn't this as well? And thus it would be talking about the days prior to his second coming event. I have no question but that the, this is referring to his second coming. No, yeah. and that's the question at hand. Yeah. Uh, but is the church still a mystery right now? And, uh, and therefore, it's not really being dealt with in this passage of Scripture. Yeah. And uh, so that's the other argument that, uh, that comes yeah. along. Yeah, I understand. So, I understand. But let me just say that, so, so Chuck, I want to wind up this one. And we may come back. I'm not making a promise just yet. But we may come back to, to discuss this some more. Because there, we have lots more prophetic passages there that are. I'll be preaching through at the end of 1 Thessalonians 5. Sure. And second, we're going to go into 2 Thessalonians, a little commercial number two, uh, <laughs> beginning of 2021, Lord willing. So Chuck, let's wind this up. Uh, uh, you've just confessed that uh, that. Like me, you were a, a relatively convinced uh, yep. uh, a person that Christ would come before the tribulation. But you're seeing passages that uh, have made you wonder just a little bit about that timing. Right. Uh, you're not denying the possibility of, a, of an early rapture. No, I am not. Uh, but you are clearly open to the possibility that this could take place later on. That is, this is not a test of faith. Yeah. Hear us. Uh, particularly we're talking to those of you who are Christ followers, you love the Lord, you love the, 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 the idea yeah. of return. This is not a test of faith. Right. Uh, if you deny that Jesus is coming back, that would be a test of faith because you'd be denying the clear <laughs> yeah. teaching of Scripture. Yeah. That'd be one thing. Uh, how can we end this podcast? What would you say to our listeners here as they consider the fact that Jesus is coming back? What, what, what's important for them well, to know? Well, I, I think that he's coming back, and even if it is a pre-tribulation rapture, there may be tribulation, and some of these things may happen before that ever happens. So I do think there should be a readiness on our part, no matter what we believe on this. Things could be rough. I would say let's really indoctrinate ourselves, our kids, so that they would stand strong when the testing comes, because I do think it's going to come, even if there is a pre-tribulation rapture. Yeah, yeah. And I just want us to really be firm 
in teaching the basic doctrines of Christianity because, boy, we're being challenged right now in the world in which we live. And so I think it behooves us to really focus and look forward to the second coming. But we may pass through some difficult times before that actually comes. I think that's really an important point. And 2 Timothy 3 actually lays out the characteristics of people in the latter days, and the word latter days isn't defined. Yeah. I, I think we both agree we are the true Latter-day Saints. <laughs> yeah. We are the true people who are looking yeah. for the coming of Jesus, living in a very apostate generation. Yeah. And Jesus said, when I return, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Yeah. And so I would say to you, you need to examine yourself to even see if you're in the faith. You should test mm -hmm. yourself. Don't you know that Christ is living in you? That is, unless you fail the test. So the first thing you need to ask yourself is, are you a true follower of Jesus? Have you from your heart received him as your Lord and Savior? And then if you are, I would just coin the words of, or quote the words of John, who said, and now little children abide in him uh, so that when he appears, yeah. we might have confidence yeah. and not be ashamed before, literally away from him yeah. at his appearing. Yeah. And that's what we would say. So let's not be ashamed. Let's be ready. Jesus is coming again.